Yo, what's up? Welcome to the Movie Newbie. I'm your host, Jabril, and get ready for the show. Just a word of warning, spoilers ahead. Alright, you guys ready? Let's do it! Okay, episode 15? No. 18. I think it's 18. Yeah. I was not going to help you with that one. I was like, I have no idea. Yo, what's up, guys? And we are back for episode 18. This is the movie newbie, and this is what was this again? The gangster theme, the gangster movie <laughs> theme. And I guess uh, how can sorry. you forget? <laughs> this is the first time we're doing the recording with me in Singapore, so there's yeah. been a change. I'm in Singapore now, so now we're doing this across like fucking crazy time zones. Mm. Like I'm here in Singapore. There's Ollie in London, Raps in Vancouver. And, uh, yeah, we're still doing this. We're still making shit for you guys. So, yeah, let's get it on with the second movie of our theme. I'm, I'm so excited. Yeah, it's a, it's a different rhythm. Uh, Jabril, uh, for you listeners out there, has now, he has to stay up until 1 a.m. Uh, to record these. So just, just consider that, you know, like for, for you listeners out there, what he has to do for, for this podcast, <laughs> the things he does. Uh, no I really admire that. Um, but, it's, yeah, it's a definitely a different rhythm. Um, for him especially however the second film in this gangster theme which has been introduced by none other than Oliver Mangum I will speak like this for the rest of the podcast um, <laughs> this time we don't have Fede yeah yeah this time we don't have Fede uh, to accompany us uh, but what a what a thrill and what a what a joy it was to, to have him on board uh, on our last one but for this one we go back to just three of us, and we are going to look at a witty bitty wise guys film called Goodfellas, directed by Martin Scorsese, the one, the only. Uh, this was really my introduction to gangster films. Yes, I had seen The Godfather, but it really never sold it to me of what gangster films were all about. You know, Godfather was a traditional kind of classical piece, whereas this, I mean, this was punk. This was anti-establishment. This was paced with, with violence, with rhythm, with style, with distinction. This was Martin Scorsese being like, hello, this is how I'm going to do gangster films. Watch out. And he, I mean, this, this film, like, so, so watchable, so alluring, so enthralling. Uh, on all fronts, and that's because he uses just a variety of techniques to do that, which we'll talk about in our podcast. But Goodfellas is the story of Henry Hill, uh, who was a mob and who uh, had relationships with Jimmy Conway and Tommy DeVito, which were quite famous Italian mobsters uh, in the Italian crime syndicate um, over in the eastern seaboard. And, you know, they dealt with cocaine. They dealt with, uh, you know... Trafficking, they dealt with all sorts of shady, crooky things uh, in the 70s, in a, in a decade where America was still trying to find itself. It's what a crazy decade the 70s was, and so interesting to, to look back retrospectively. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to, to watch this one, and uh, I'm going to throw it back to you guys to see what, what your thoughts are about Goodfellas, and had you watched it before? Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know how you can live this long on this planet without having seen this film it's obviously it's a it's a masterpiece um as i remember it, it's one of the most perhaps rewatchable films of all time uh it's really fun mm. it's really eclectic there's just so much style on display and i think you know 
it probably if uh yeah it probably i don't know it probably gets at the allure of being a gangster more than any other gangster film has i think this film really you know harnesses it hones in on the fun of being a gangster and why it um mm. why that lifestyle attracts so many people um but yeah i've seen this film probably a dozen times if not more but i'm really excited to watch this again because i always am that's how good a film this is yeah i think i've i've only watched this movie once before like i said in the in the last episode um it was like that time when we were like 15 16 and i watched mm. all the gangsters well not all of them but i saw a bunch of them like almost every day for like a week so it was like scarface the godfather movies um mm. goodfellas mm. i think i think it was around the time um, what's that movie public enemy is it public enemy that was later on i think that was 2006 with johnny depp um i mean that's that's when i like i watched that movie and then I was like, okay, I need to watch the 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 real yeah, like yeah, right. gangster movies, mob movies, and then yeah, yeah so was, I think it was that was like the catalyst. So yeah, yeah, I don't really remember anything from this movie. It was like what two thousand nine or ten when I watched it. So yeah, I'm ready yeah, to during, get to it. During our formidable years of, of testosterone exploration, we were watching gangster debauchery. Yeah, just, you know, we wanted to be these guys. All right, so um, I say we just go ahead and watch these wise guys, uh, whack some some individuals, and then we'll go back and we'll talk about it, yeah? Hell yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. And we are back with the wise guys, <laughs> with the good fellas. We got Peter Pauly and Pauly Peterson. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, we're back, guys. <laughs> Just, Just the easiest the names to say in an Italian accent. Yeah. Pauly, Peter. I mean, in, the mo- in the movie, they were like, there's Peters and Paulies and Pauls and Pete's and yeah. Marie. And all, of Marie. His br- and all of his brothers and cousins were either called Peter or Pauly. <laughs> <laughs> and all the girls were called Marie. <laughs> and they Marie. named their daughters Marie. Yeah. Marie Jr. <laughs> Hey, Marie Jr., get over here. Get over here, I'm telling you. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess you could tell we watched Goodfellas and we <laughs> enjoyed it. Um, I definitely loved the movie. It was fucking awesome. Um, I don't know where where to start. You guys want to hit us up with the initial thoughts or should I go with mine? Um, um, where, where, to, where to begin indeed? I guess maybe we can begin like just in in order um tell us tell us yeah jabriel tell us what uh, what first came out when you first saw the the opening credits which were quite you know quite famous opening mm. credits that really introduced us to, to this world yeah so for me it's just i was talking to ollie before we started this call um the whole scorsese like way of doing things mm. like it reminded me of um Wolf of Wall Street and the Irishman that just came out like the the use of like long shots then really quick cuts and like uh, still images and then even the scenes where I think they were trying to show like like four years or three years have passed and it was like photographs of Mm. Henry with the with the guys Mm. oh the Polaroids yeah the Polaroids Mm. so that was the 
the biggest thing for me. Mm-hmm. I really like that. Um, which is the different styles that the, the yeah, one. just to the pacing of the movie was just done really well. Mm. Like how Scorsese like makes things super slow to like uh, draw attention to certain things, and then when you know like he, I think there was two instances of it is when um, Karen she mm-hmm. she f- first meets the other housewives the italian housewives and everything's like really quick like they're speaking and it's like ah, da, 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 da. and the second time he used that was with um shit when he does coke and he has to do all the mm-hmm. excuse me uh when he does coke and he has to do all the things throughout the day it was like mm. quick cuts so mm. I really like that. I thought that was really cool. That's that's my favorite thing from the movie. And mm. That was the first thing I noticed. Um, but yeah, second thing was that that iconic line in the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. He's like, "From when I was a kid, I've always wanted to be a gangster." Or, mm. or, I was um, no um, to that. Uh, as long as no, as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Yeah. The soundtrack. <laughs> the soundtrack. That's the number three for me. Mm-hmm. The soundtrack mm-hmm. was amazing. Yeah. Perfecto. So good. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those are my three things, I guess. Yeah, and I think oh, I throw think... it to you guys. Um, what what you mentioned is what I like to call the uh, watchability of Scorsese, which uh, kind of the, the use the, the techniques he has and that he employs um, to infuse his films with with energy. Um, you can see that uh, that similarity in all and like a lot of his other films, um, like you said, The Irishman, Wolf of Wall Street, Casino, uh, Aviator. Uh, usually when he like uh, when he portrays uh, a certain character or maybe totally forgot about aviator yeah uh, another another really uh, brilliant scorsese uh, uh, about real life character um, usually he, he likes to do that um, as a as a painting to to a hero's journey except usually he doesn't pick a hero he just picks like a flawed human or flawed mm-hmm. humans um, mm-hmm. but with this one yeah it's the uh, it's it's the uh, familiar triangle that you're getting with uh with Robert De Niro, Ray Liotta and Joe Pesci. Um but yeah, I like just to call it the watchability of Scorsese because you just can't keep your eyes away. You can't. It's th- there's something in his films that he just has you. He he has you from the moment the the film begins to to, to the moment it ends. It's this way of storytelling that's just so alluring and watchable. Um, despite you know being violent and insane at times, but it's like it's seamless, it's effortless, and it just yeah keeps you enthralled throughout. And um, and I mean we'll talk about these various techniques that make that possible. I mean you you mentioned some like uh, the freeze frames, the narration is is another one, the stylized sets and sequences, performances. Mm. Like he's got so many tricks up his sleeves, and he's really um, a master of his craft. Uh, essentially, and that's that's why you just end up just gobbling everything that that's spewed on screen. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I guess I'll go next. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, I think I on, Ollie, go. <laughs> pick up. Um, yeah, no, I think I mentioned. Uh, you know, I kind of predicted what I was uh, what I would be saying on this podcast during our intro. But yeah, this film is still holds up so well. It's incredibly rewatchable to to Raf's point. It's just deliriously fun. Like, it's so energetic. It's so well-paced. It moves at such a fast clip. Um, it's just, 
it just gets the rush of the lifestyle, I mm. think. I think no film has done a better job of demonstrating why people would be so drawn to getting mixed up in this incredibly dangerous um, world, you know, and su such a morally bankrupt one too. But yeah, it's just wall to wall, you know, epic cinematographic style, um, music, the performances across the board are fantastic. There are so many iconic moments, like just to bring it back to um, Jabriel's point earlier, that's got to be one of the most memorable opening lines of mm. any film. Like as far back mm. as I remember, I, I always wanted to be a gangster. Followed by that, you know, that roar, those roaring opening notes of that Tony Bennett song, and then just mm -hmm. the camera whipping, you know, zooming in to meet him in Ray Liotta's eyes. Like mm. that right there is just movie magic, and this film is mm. filled with those moments. Like most films are lucky if they get one or two of those moments. This film has um, like two dozen. And it's yeah. endlessly quotable. Like it's one of so, so many yeah. So if if you want to you know if you want to talk about rewatchable films, I think about it in terms of okay. So you know there are certain scenes in a film where if you were flicking through the channels on TV, and then you came across this movie playing on HBO or I don't know whatever movie channel you have, and it was halfway through and it landed on that scene. Even if you were meant to be going down, you know, going to shop for groceries or going to the park <laughs> or whatever, you're like, oh, hold on, hold on. I, I just have to stay for the scene because it's a really good yeah. scene. This film is just made entirely of those scenes, you know? Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, it's it's an out-and-out -out masterpiece and one of the best gangster films ever made. Um, so, yeah. yeah. All right, well, that's that. Um, thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> just a masterpiece. <laughs> Boom. I think we all agree. We're all, we're all in accordance of, of how good this bloody film is and how bloody this bloody film is um mm -hmm. but uh yeah no that's i don't even know i don't even know how we can like carry on i mean we're just gonna say it's amazing it's amazing it's a masterpiece it's a masterpiece yeah <laughs> um, okay so i want to talk about one scene if we're that kind of annoyed me okay okay okay, okay right so, we're doing a 180 hit when <laughs> yeah, quick before, <laughs> yeah just a quick one because like it is a masterpiece and we're probably all going to give it a perfect score but this was one scene that kind of it was and actually it's just a very small part of the scene was when i think it was after he got married to karen or before um and they go to the the cool club the copacabana is it Copacabana? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Copacabana. And they take that side entrance and it's like this tracking shot behind behind them, following them through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a cool shot, but then I just don't see the purpose in them going into the kitchen. Because they go into the kitchen and they like turn left, turn <laughs> right, and then they just come back where they came through. If you actually notice what they did. Oh, you see, so you're saying that the route they take doesn't actually make any sense if they're trying to do a shortcut basically yeah i mean they should have just went straight and avoided the kitchen because <laughs> i guess like yeah they wanted to show the atmosphere but i was like okay why did they go there well like, i think i think the, 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 a... going through the kitchen would have been the only way to um i mean we don't have the blueprints for this building but <laughs> no, going but through the kitchen it. would have been <laughs> the only way to cut through the main entrance and get into the main hall right because the whole point is they're <laughs> avoiding the line they're avoiding yeah, they're the, avoiding the crowds the lines, that build around the entrance, you know? Yeah, so they go through a hallway. They take a left. I remember this. They take a left. They go into the kitchen. They turn left. Then they make a U-turn. And then they turn right where they entered. And then they just go back into the, the uh, hallway. So they do they like a weird, the... you know, hedge maze version of getting yeah. to the other side I'm of just the kitchen. Like that... 
at least make it like a different entrance or something. Anyways, mm. that's the only thing that kind of pissed me off. I that was is, like, that's that is quite the observation. You, <laughs> I, I need. I mean, like with those things, I like to. We. Well, you know, I like to see how people use their set. Well, you know you that, know? that there's a there may be a reason for that because um, here's where I get to bring in a little bit of the research that I've done over this movie in the past. Um, that scene, like a, quite a few other iconic scenes in this movie, was kind of born out of an improvisation on the day. I'm not, mm-hmm. I don't remember how exactly what the story was, but I remember hearing in school that apparently um, they were meant to just film them going in through the to the through the entrance of the Copacabana, mm-hmm. but something didn't work, or there was some screw up, so they couldn't set up the the um, what they needed to in the main entrance. So they had to figure another way of getting in there. And so Martin Scorsese on the spot said. Okay, can we just use the another entrance going through the kitchen, and then decided to shoot it as a tracking shot instead of like a typical you know multi-camera setup, and then it suddenly became this uh, a great me- metaphor for how you know when you're a gangster you don't have to do what everyone else does you got to mm-hmm. cut to the you know you, you, there's a different entrance reserved especially for you and yeah. the normal rules do not apply for you. Yeah, I mean, what I what the scene did was effective. You know, it was him basically showing Karen that, yeah, he's a big boy. He's a big fuck, la. And um, he he basically showed that. He's like, yeah, this is what I do. Everybody says hello to me. I give everyone $20. You know, um, if there's no seats in the club, they make me a seat. You know, they, mm-hmm. they bring me a table. And showing that that was effective. But, like, there was just part of the shot that I was just like, that's that wasn't needed, mm, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm. But, but I mean, yeah, that's, those, that's just nitpicking. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, that's, Hey, that's, that's a, that's why I was like, what, what an interesting observation. Cause I, I didn't really see it, but I'm sure, I'm sure I'll go back to it and be like, Hey, you know what? Jabril's right. Why does he <laughs> turn there? Um, this doesn't make any sense. But to say that, I mean, if we are going to go straight into these, um, sequences, these long takes that, that Martin Scorsese, um, shoots. I mean, the choreography of them, the the coordination, the the flow of the camera. It's all very beautifully done. It's like a dance, you know. Um, mm. And it and it and it and it only just re- like serves as uh, as a way to really enter you into what they're entering to, you know, the Copacabana, like you want to be there, you want to smoke cigarettes with these guys, you want to drink, you want to listen to to some beautiful Italian singer, like serenade your ears. It's like, it's that introduction to, to what Ollie was referring to of like, you want to be a part of this world, even though this world is mad and filled with violence and corruption. It's just, why, why is it, there's this sense of catharticism that's, that's there, that's, and that's the, the one of the powers of this film. You you want to be in those shoes, um, and that's filled with the style and the fashion, um, not only of the '70s but of this film. I mean, these characters look at them like they look amazing. They're, and mm. and that that tells you with the the the, the eye for detail Scorsese has, and um, he, um, I, I, after doing some research, he he was involved in all of their wardrobes, especially the main characters. He you know from their ties to their socks. He was the one responsible to be like, you're going to wear this exactly. You know, this this was a lot of his mm. imaginations coming into play. Um, and just, just yeah, the detail, man. I, this guy has incredible detail for his mm. work. And it's, I it's think, so easy to, to, I mean, it's so easy to watch, but it's so it's so pleasurable to, to witness. Mm. I think in terms of costume design, a magnificent choice is the pair of glasses that, 
Robert De Niro's character Jimmy oh. starts wearing Ooh, after he loses. Yeah. That's like such a great sign that he's kind of losing the plot. Mm. Like he goes from being the most charismatic, cool cucumber man in the room. And then when he's lost the plot, he starts wearing these like really bug eyed glasses that mm. make him look like an yeah. incredibly old man. He literally can't see what's going yeah, on. Yeah, he just loses he's his so cool. paranoid. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So what are some of your favorite scenes then, guys? Since this is a movie just of great scenes. <laughs> since since we're oh just my gonna god. like yeah. yeah 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 oh my god uh, I I'm gonna have to pick the one the only uh, and and I'm gonna do a bit of a reenactment here if you guys don't mind um, <laughs> what do you think I'm funny what, what do you mean I'm funny like I'm funny how like I amuse you like I'm a clown what do you mean I'm funny funny how just um, just the that, way you said it. Yeah, just, do, just, just the, the way, way you said, said it. I don't know. Uh, your, your, your impersonation was spot on, uh, Raph, but I'm really surprised at how good Gabriel nails how meek uh, Ray Liotta is in that moment. Yeah. Um, just the way you tell the story. <laughs> I didn't mean anything, but this movie has so many scenes, though, as well, when you just yeah. got the gangsters being those kind of bullies that everyone knew at school that would just turn yeah. on you like that. Yeah. And how sheepish you become when someone really dangerous turns that turns on you like that. And I mean, Tommy, you're breaking my balls. It's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jimmy. I'm sorry. Like when, <laughs> when he turns on that poor guy who bought the, his wife the car. His, the yeah. car? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, so t- but sorry, go on, Raph. But that's, that's what I mean. Like, and, and this scene totally highlights um, the power of Joe Pesci and the power of, 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 of putting tension out of nowhere, just literally infusing tension mm. out of this nice laughing scene amongst amongst gangsters who are just joking who are just you know in in, in the debauchery of it drinking smoking all of that and then suddenly it just turns with a, like one flick just like that um and that i mean that's just commanding performances that like grab you and like that just take hold of you and you yeah. are just as tense as ray Liotta in that scene you are like what mm-hmm. just happened i thought we were having fun what is this and joe yeah. pesci i mean to talk about someone who who made a character so indelible, so memorable, he's like a functioning psychopath, a functioning madman, um, and and I mean he that 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 kind of character, you know, it becomes his kind of archetype um, for for later films. Like he is just known to 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 be that guy, and he's so good at it. Um, so there's a reason why people you know reenact that scene. There's a reason why mm. people. Um, love Joe Pesci and like can quote Joe Pesci because he made such an incredible and memorable performance. And um, I just want to He won say, the Oscar for this as well. He did win the Oscar for this. Yeah. So, I mean, there we go. Props, props to Pesci. Um, and I was watching this with my wife who hates gangster films, by the way. She, <laughs> I, she didn't want to watch it at first. And I was like, just, you know, just watch the first five. Had, had, she, had she seen it before? No, she had never seen it before, and she had never seen uh, a Martin Scorsese film before, <clears throat> because she doesn't really like what he presents, you know, that, that male-dominant power, you, you know, all, all that jazz um, that I've talked about in The Godfather, um, which is still here in, in, in Goodfellas, but just, it's just more fun. Um, and so she watched the first five minutes and immediately ended up watching, you know, the next hour, hour and a half before she had to go to bed. So she really enjoyed it and she finished it today. But um, I was I was saying to her, this is an amazing drinking game, this film, because of the word fuck. 
Like the amount of fuck <laughs> there is in this film, you can turn it into a drinking game and you can get crazy drunk. Like we counted some of them and in like one scene, in that particular scene, there's already like five to ten fucks. Um, so you'd get plastered. Uh, but yeah, no, that's that's the scene for me. I mean, it's, there's a reason why it's 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 constantly mentioned, it's constantly reenacted, it's constantly talked about with fans, is because it's so powerfully deranged and just sudden. It's so sudden, and he does that so well uh, on both fronts, Joe Pesci and Scorsese, and everyone involved. Like just this whole ensemble were so good at at. Um, changing the pace changing the rhythm and that's mm. i think what this film does so well is is uh structuring pace and rhythm in such a way that like one minute you're there the next you're here but it, but you're right you're so yeah. right like when people think of the editing style of this movie they think of you know the montages the quick cuts the the rapid fire pacing but you know then you slow he he does just take like press pause and slows it down to focus on what yeah. is essentially an improvisational scene like that scene doesn't add anything to the story but it's so important from a character level and it's quite like indulgent on a, on on some level like a lot of filmmakers would say oh you don't need to spend 5 minutes on this kind of repetitive interaction mm. between these characters while they're drinking in a bar yeah. but you couldn't imagine the film without it and, you know um <laughs> a bit more research here um <laughs> oh, God. Uh, but uh, apparently um according to law Scorsese, um, before they shot the scene, instructed Pesci to have that reaction. It was not in the script. And he didn't tell any of the other um, actors, including Ray Liotta. So Ray Liotta's reaction to that is of, like, surprise and, and concern is quite genuine, I think. <laughs> and so it works so well. But also... That's pretty funny. Yeah, but also, like, <laughs> I, I think you're so right, though, uh, Raph, when you said that, um, you know, I thought we were having fun. What happened? That is kind of like the message of this movie. What's so good yeah. about this movie is it pulls off this incredible balancing act where at a moment's notice, it flicks from being incredibly fun to incredibly depraved mm. and quite unsettling. Yeah. And it does it without any significant shift in style or in scripting. And that, that to me is like key to the master, the mastery of this film. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Um, I don't even know what to say. Shit, I was <laughs> I gonna know, say speechless. something. I know it's. Um, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Ali. I um, mean, <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs> he takes a bow. No, but um, I. Well, I said my um, favorite scene. So, uh, Jibra, what, what was yours for? For instance? well, no, I just wanted to comment on that scene. Uh, right. I right, mean, yeah. just like uh, Pesci's character is that it's he's like one of the extremes of the mob. You know, there's like the difference between him and. Um, De Niro's character, you know, where he's like the insecure little small person complex kind of guy mm -hmm. who's kind of just popping off at everything, getting crazy at everything, like just insecure about his masculinity and like always showing that he's the biggest man in the room. Mm -hmm. And then there's the Johnny. Is it Johnny? Yeah, the Johnny. Character Jimmy? Where Do you he's mean Jimmy? Like, Jimmy. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Hey, Jimmy. Hey, don't call him Johnny, um, OK? He'll whack you for that one. <laughs> um... To be fair, yeah, you the, insulted the him. The difference between the two. And then as one got older, Jimmy became like a little crazy as well. I, I don't even know where I'm going with this well, point. I think, but, I think you um, have a point there. Um, I think what it is, is um, a lot, especially the, the three main characters lead mm. themselves to their own demise. Um, yeah. Especially with, um, with Joe Pesci's character. 
with DeVito. His is uh, the most obvious, I it's guess. It's the most obvious, and you, you get yeah. why he has to get whacked or he has to go. Yeah. Um, he's too, he, he's a mad dog. You can't. He's a live him. wire. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's, he's a live wire, like all of these things. Um, and if I may throw in a fun fact, real life gangster Henry Hill, um, mm-hmm. who, who, who inspired the, the, whose story inspired the book Wise Guy, um, he was, he had said that Joe Pesci's performance was 90 to 99% accurate to the portrayal of, of, oh, um, of that character. So, oh, and, and you know, yeah. actually, Jabril, you pointed out that um, I think you touched on something accurate there when you said that uh, Joe Pesci's performance is that of someone who's always trying to be the biggest man in the room. Mm. And so I mm. listened to a podcast that was looking at the uh, sort of truth versus fiction elements of this film. And they mentioned that even though, yeah, uh, Joe Pesci's performance is incredibly accurate to who this man was in real life, the Jimmy DeVito character, you know, he was like um, a really, a really um, temperamental and uh dangerous character but at the same time he was also really tall and big boned and oh, no imposing way. and he was actually like in his early 20 like in his mid 20s when he met henry hill or perhaps even younger than that so joe pesci was actually much older than he would have you know than the character the act the person that he was playing when he was cast and he was much much smaller because joe pesci is a pretty diminutive person uh but i think mm-hmm. it actually works like to the favor of the film because he kind of has that Napoleonic complex. Yeah. We get the sense that yeah. like a little, like a bit, of, not, not to offend any small people out there, but kind of like a, like a, uh, you know, like a, like this, how those smaller dogs have a lot lo- louder bark. Yeah. Because yeah, they have yeah, yeah. to, they have to like fill the room in other ways. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And they've got Absolutely. like maybe a bit of a chip on their shoulder. Yeah. And it's, it's, con- it's constantly shown with all the scenes that he's in, mm-hmm. like with the waiter Another way. Well, yeah. When they're playing poker and the guy Spider. Uh, spider. Yeah. Who also, um, um uh, yeah, a future Sopranos cast member. Yes, indeed. Mm. Yeah. Michael Imperioli, like quite a, quite a few others in this film, but yeah. Well, Ka- Karen Hill, the, the the one who plays the wife. Um, yes, uh, the, Lorraine Bracco. Yeah, plays the psychiatrist or the mm-hmm, psychologist. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, I guess maybe we should talk about our favorite scenes oh, yeah. <laughs> we we haven't said we we haven't said that yet yeah go on what's what's your favorite scene uh jayrell what, what, what's the one that did it for you that was like yep that was... um so i was just completely enthralled by henry hill's character mm. i love the dude um well i love the character mm-hmm. and um what made, it, what made it really interesting is um um so each and every one of them their the use of violence was done in different ways so yeah this is what i was trying to say earlier so <laughs> there's pesci's character who's just crazy there's jimmy who's paranoid mm-hmm. and um with uh leota's character for him it was always uh having to balance between family and gangsta mm-hmm. and he would always use violence when it came to uh, i guess so he was first introduced to violence by his dad i would say when his dad beat the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. And then um, we see him use violence for the first time when uh, Karen gets beat. Mm-hmm. And then he mm-hmm. beats up Karen. So my favorite scene is when Karen's over him with the gun. Mm-hmm. And it's that point of the first person point of view. And then yeah. it's kind of calm. And then it's like, boom, it explodes. And then he like jumps her, mm-hmm. like smacks her and mm-hmm. pushes mm-hmm. her off the bed and goes crazy. And it's like that change in pace and stuff. And I really like that scene. Mm-hmm. That was my favorite scene. That right. shot. Yeah. That just that, op- that I think it's like a fade in shot 
of her pointing the gun right at the camera. It's mm, yeah. so well composed. And it's just like the point of the first person kind of Yes, absolutely. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. I will say, though, this, that you're right, that there is this sort of like evolution of violence in the character of Henry Hill. But I think the reason mm. that Henry Hill works as a protagonist in this film is if this film were focused on any of the other characters, it wouldn't be as watchable because, like, I think everyone's a bit of a dirtbag in this film, obviously. Like, mm. Henry Hill is a vile character, but he's more likable or perhaps a little bit more relatable than the others because you do see glimmers of a conscience in him that aren't yeah. there in uh, Jimmy's yeah. character or um, uh, uh, Tommy's character. Like, um, and I think like in a lot, you see him not, he doesn't want to inflict violence most of the time. I think you see it throughout, I noticed it, it particularly this time watching it, that he's often the one trying to prevent the violence or defuse it. Like yeah. he's the one like talking to the guys who are about to get whacked or about to get beat up and say, you know, like, please don't do this. Like, if you keep running your mouth like this, like, I can't help you anymore. Yeah. Like this guy will come in and he will kick the living daylights out of you or he will put a bullet in your head. And mm -hmm. you can see that, you know, he's the one that's clearly the most shocked by the death of Spider and the murder of Billy Bats in his own bar. Yeah. Like he doesn't, mm -hmm. you know, and then he's the one also who's, physically gagging when they have to dig up that body out of the um... yeah i thought that was pretty funny <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that that entire scene i was like have it's, a it wing just, it just shows yeah <laughs> it just shows the difference uh like how he doesn't know how to balance himself he's like oh do i fully integrate myself into the mob do i fully integrate into being a family man do i balance both and it was very obvious in that scene because he wasn't really like into the whole death kind of thing that's when the mob got too much for him i think mm. he was like why are we killing people yeah i don't think, I think you... there was like nar narration in the background mm -hmm. saying like you don't and you don't whacked. yeah and you don't just to get whacked i mean maybe he did it off camera perhaps but he never i don't think he ever kills anyone in the film himself. Uh, that's yeah that's yeah that is true i think that's true mm -hmm. yeah um Whoa. Whoa, damn I never noticed this. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> Mind blowing. Damn. This film is is taking on new heights. Um yeah, I mean I, I think I think that the fact that um th that you can f more easily follow that character because there's more more uh, moral ambiguity um in him uh lets you kind of get inside that character a little bit easier. Um especially as the film progresses and as the characters, um, again, this I, I, I'm going to talk about this theme of, of madness, um, which I, I think is a reoccurring theme throughout the film. And I mean, most Ma characters. Did you say madness or manliness? Uh, madness, mm. but that's madness to do with with the manliness mm. that's in this film. Yeah. Obviously, it's, there's yeah. a correlation between madness and mm. and male uh, energy, um, and and. I don't know if you guys noticed, but the use of color in this film, there's a lot mm. of red. There's a lot of yeah, red in this film. Yeah. Um, not only is there red like in blood, scene. but there's there's in in the beginning scene uh, where where they put the body in the in the trunk. Um, there's there's always a side that's painted in red um, mm -hmm. in, in various scenes, uh, and just the use of that color kind of emphasizes the the theme of madness, or what I like to think is the theme of madness. Um, and male rage and male anger, you know, never, they're either never satisfied or they're chasing something. Um, and this sense of madness is only um, perpetrated by 
money, by capitalism, by, by the system, uh, which I'll refer to the system because I don't really know what else to, 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 to call it, I guess, the American government. Um, but they're, they're trying to corrupt a system that basically um, benefits from them corrupting that system because towards the end, um, they all kind of, they, like, like, like I said to you, Jabriel, they, they lead themselves to their own demise. So they're chasing mm-hmm. something that's never quite there. And that's, that's just the, 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 the web of lies and the, the web of betrayal. Um, and wise guys want to live like kings. They want to chase that money. They, it's never enough. So there's that sense of yeah. madness, uh, almost a Shakespearean level of madness to, to their journey. So, um, where just like the great you know, Scottish play, there's, there's this sense of like, yeah, they're never quite fulfilled. And that's mm. only emphasized with, with the use of red in it and just the use of violence. You know, there's unnecessary violence that you see and you're like, why? Mm. Um, and that's just, that, that, that just because they're, they're getting madder and madder and madder. And I think uh, only Henry mm. um, tones down the madness when he kind of um, strips away his, his moral code to be a gangster and decides to, mm. to be an FBI informant and to, to go into witness protection. He's like, I, this is too much for me. Um, and this is why Robert De Niro starts whacking people left and right because his madness gets the better of him and he starts being frenzied and paranoid. Um, and the, uh, Joe Pesci becomes too mad for his own self that they, they whack him because he's just too mad. Um, so that theme of madness is 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 really a strong one, and, and, and it what it's what kind of like draws me closer to the film because I it's such because it is such a mad world. The '70s were so mad. I mean, think about a decade that's like filled with corruption, with pollution, with with like dogmas that don't really work, uh, with an institution like that doesn't post, work. Post Watergate, I suppose. Post Watergate, I mean, we're talking about the Vietnam War, you know, it, there's so many things that have happened in that decade yeah. for America that like just did not work until you go to yeah. the 80s where I think police, uh, the police enforcement and the institution or the system, shall I say, starts to um, get its power back and starts to, yeah, gentrify and and renew itself uh, and strip mm. away the, the gangsters, you know, the ones that the, basically the, the outlaws and this kind of like cowboy um, uh, mm. Wild West kind of world that the 70s was. It's just so, so messy, yeah. so messy. Yeah. I think that like the, uh, the red also, I mean, I have to really go through the film properly to see if I can sort of, deconstruct it in this way and pinpoint those moments but i think the red is often employed as like a lighting or color scheme to signify things going south or where things took Mm. a turn for the worst i think that's the Mm. reason why i mean the film almost without explanation starts in the middle with this scene where they where they're going out to bury uh billy bats's body and then it takes you back to the beginning and tells the rest of the story in a chronological way but i think the reason they focus on that scene is because that's the moment where um that's the fateful moment where things started to take a turn for the worst. And they kind of set themselves on a path that led to death, to imprisonment, to, um, to, to tragedy, you know? Um, Cause like before that, everything was kind of on the up and up and pretty happy. But yeah, when they mm. decided to kill Billy bats for no reason, then to sort of, I don't know, what was it? Pride being bruised or something. Yeah. There was like yeah. no logical strategy to that murder. And that's when they kind of like left the gla- the ground of reality and we're like, okay, you guys have just fucked yourselves now completely. Because yeah. yeah. um, that's the reason why 
you know, Tommy DeVito's character all those years later gets whacked. Um, and after that, that's when they start, you know, they end up landing in jail. That's where Henry Hill gets addicted to drugs. That's when he mm. starts selling drugs against the advice um, and warnings of his mentor, Paulie. Mm. And that all leads them on the path to destruction, you know? Mm. Yeah. Just one one point about the red as well. Um, I think when um, Henry first decides that he's attracted to Karen was when he, he, he stood her up and she comes in her car. And I believe she was wearing a red dress. I could be Ooh. wrong. But I think she could be wearing a red dress because mm. um, I watched the movie today. And he, she seemed more attractive to him when she stood up to him. Interesting. And I believe she was wearing a red dress. I could be wrong. Maybe that's I mean, his attraction you know to madness. Fact check time. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I'm saying maybe to Raph's point, maybe that's his attraction to madness. Because mm. there's a bit of a madness Possibly. when she shows up, you know, to this pretty imposing gangster dude and just calls him out in front of all of his friends. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. But that's when he's and like, it, oh, hold up. I should give this girl a second look. Like, yeah. oh, hold up. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> yep. for sure. And, I was and, right. Yeah. Red dress. You were right? Oh, well, there we oh, go. Oh, shit. Red, there red you dress. go. She Boom. Said, well done. Yeah. She was wearing a full-on red dress. And a lot of the scenes that – I was going to say a lot of the scenes that she's in, and the both of them are interacting when they were, like, in this, like, love kind of thing. And, like, mm. rather than just negative madness, there's a lot of this, like – mad in love kind of thing and yeah. a lot of the lighting where they're together it's a lot of red lighting a lot of reds and purples yeah. and stuff like that so yeah i just wanted to say that like it wasn't all crazy violence when the red was used it was a lot of like lust i guess would would lust be the the right word i, I would say lust. yeah i mean you can tie it in you can tie it in like sexual yeah. desires lust um uh, and I mean, that's also in great, uh, um, in great servitude to, to the power of their chemistry, right? Like, yeah. um, Ray Liotta and, um, uh, Lorraine, Lorraine Bracco, Bracco. Mm-hmm. um, their, yeah. their chemistry is, you know, it's palpable. It's, it's believable. They're both just as mad as each other because there was a, I, I almost had a problem with this film with female characters, and mm. I, I I was gonna I was gonna I was gonna say, problem. yeah, well with Lorraine. Well, I, was, I think we ha- we have to talk narrates. about it since that's like yeah, I would, she's I'm, the only other character I, that narrates in the film. Well, I really want to hear like Raph your perspective on its mm. um, well, breakdown of gender relationship because obviously for those of you who haven't listened to the previous podcast, Raph had a real difficulty enjoying The Godfather because it does kind of blot out and silence women completely. Mm. And um, and yeah, so I don't know if if you think this film takes a slightly different approach that allowed you to kind of get yeah I don't know enjoy it more. I think um, I mean obviously they they give her a bit more power um, and that power comes through narration. I mean it's the first time uh, that we in this film that we hear a woman's voice narrating over over this film. And it's also very, I don't know if it was a very common trope to use, uh, the female narration uh, back in back in those days. Um, I'm, I'm not too sure. Maybe we can fact check that or maybe for you listeners out there, you can let us know. Um, but that was something new to me. And that kind of gave the character a little bit more brevity, a little bit more, um, definitely more to do than, than The Godfather. 
I was worried that they were going to descend her into the path of, of madness. Oh, crazy woman, you know, she's just crazy mm. about her man. She's just crazy in love. And like, mm -hmm. she will do nothing uh, unless she's side by side with her man. But because her man, Ray Liotta, is just as crazy, just as mad, it kind of works. There's, there's a balance that works, that it's not just um, this, just, yeah, this, the crazy wife that's always worried and that's always sick about her man. And that's the male gaze that, that just trumps, uh, trumps her, her perspective. But she gives such a defined performance and such a, and, and she gets, she gets to do something, you know, she has to have a mm. voice. She gets to, she gets to have a bit of power. And yes, that power ends up being this like mad, insatiable hunger for her husband. But so does the husband have that for for his wife, you know? Um, so no character in this is perfect. There's no good, there's no good person, I would say. And that's to do with also the female characters that are in this film. And because she is uh, given a voice, you get to see kind of that perspective in that world. And also the fact that she doesn't really understand or um, the normal world. She doesn't like the normal world. She tries to accommodate and accustomize herself to like yeah. uh, when she's at the parlor, or not the parlor, but the hairdressers, and she looks at all these other women that have like, you know, molded themselves to to be the gangsters' wives. You know, she doesn't. She never looked at that and was like, you know, found any joy in that. She never wanted to assimilate like that. She wanted to go somewhere else. And yes, her path takes her to like a a bit of a crazy one, but because that's because like the world she's in. And then it's the seventies, so obviously yeah. you're gonna get fucking male violence you're gonna get <clears throat> domestic mm. violence you're gonna get all these things because that was unfortunately the world that they were living in where males were dominant and they were the power and <laughs> and this is the epitome of of just male oppression is is these wise mm. guys you know these italian american italian gangsters that will lay a hand on on a woman at a at a heartbeat you know that's that's just the that's just the cruel world that mm. this was so if if, if, mm. an, if anything it's a good thing that they ended up whacking themselves because that just tells you that they were just there's a bit of lunacy a bit of um a bit of idiocy uh to to a lot of their paths they were just mm. some of them are just plain dumb like why would you do that like you've caused yeah. your own death you've done your own doing yeah i um i don't know you know there's that age-old question i suppose that we're still asking ourselves probably more often today, you know, by depicting something, depicting, say, something horrible and abhorrent, like violence towards women, by depicting as it was, is that wrong, though, even though that is truthful in a way? Mm. Um, and this film, I think if this film was made today, they'd probably try to find a way to do it that gave a little bit more, um, I don't know, agency to the women, perhaps, or kind of focused a little, shifted the focus a little bit more towards their struggles. But I will say, though, that um, I think it's always good to be authentic. And so even if it's really painful to watch those scenes where women are being abused, which happens quite often, or gaslit, which also happens quite often in this film, mm. um, you know, it is it is probably authentic to, to the experience of these women in those moments. So um, that's probably for the better, though. But I can understand why some people would watch this. And because this film is uh, and because this film is associated with fun, People worry that it might be glorifying these kind of acts, this, you know, violence in general, not just towards women. Um, 
I'm not really sure where I'm going with this point, but I guess I'd say it's it's a bit better than probably The Godfather because with the narration, you are at least giving a voice of some kind. It may still be a, a voice stripped to power, but it's a mm. voice, you know? That's what I mean. Mm. I think that's that's the point that I wanted to to really emphasize is is the fact that she is given a voice. And yes, um, it's 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 small um, and it's it's still it's still a bit problematic with with what she has to do and, and the violence that she's subjugated to. Um, but she's given something um, that's definitely more than the Godfather. The Godfather literally, like, there would be a scene of, 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 of uh, I can't remember who was um, the wife that gets beaten by by the husband. Connie. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. But she's like breaking stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah. Boy, that didn't make any sense. And you know why it doesn't make any sense? Because I don't get to hear her perspective, her side, well, her voice. I, I yeah. think that that scene. No, well, I think that scene makes a lot of sense on a story level because you needed to see that scene to then figure out why Sony would go beat up Carlo yeah. and then why Sony would get whacked later yeah. on. It, it made, but the point is that I think we're saying is that in today's age, if you're going to put your subject audiences to that, like put them through yeah. a devastating portrayal of domestic violence, then you better have a scene focused on the women, the woman or whoever the target or the victim afterwards sort of coping mm-hmm. with that or um, uh, digesting that or kind of, I mean, processing view, that pain right? exactly her experience of this yeah. rather than just simply taking, um, you know, uh, domestic abuse and using that as a means to an end in terms of telling your story. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it, it will be tough to. To say, because, you know, the Godfather was done in the 70s, you know, back then, like you said, that was how it's depicted in mm. uh, Goodfellas. Right. Mm. Like it was a. It was violence. It was people didn't really care about the female, the female position in society, and that's reflected in that kind of movie. And then you come to the '90s with Goodfellas, and there has been an evolution in the role of the female. Bit of a shift. Yeah. And a bit of a shift. You know, you can see that their voice is being heard a little bit more. You know, and then I want to see like what, uh, you know, a mob movie would be now like i can't really think of well well the irish Irish i I suppose yeah or um but was there any female characters in that i can't really not really no but i mean i think generally they weren't as films tend to focus a lot on on male energy and male Mm -hmm. performances and male actors um Mm -hmm. i mean that most of scorsese's films have been he deploys Mm. yeah a lot of 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 male energy in his films don't typically Past the Bechdel test, that's for sure. No, no, they yeah. don't. Yeah, they, they I mean, like, when we're talking about... So what I'm trying to say is, like, when we talk about a movie from the 70s, we have to talk about it in the context of the 70s. Mm-hmm. You know? Same as if we're talking about a movie in the 90s, we have to talk about it in the context of the 90s. Mm-hmm. If they made The Godfather now exactly as they did in the 70s, I would not agree with it whatsoever. Because of what they do... What Basically, the entire thing just doesn't make sense. Um... But what I'm trying to say is all about context, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, we can criticize those things, but it's hard to criticize them now. I think context is everything, I think, yeah. I think it's important that you don't necessarily forgive a film um, for, um, you know, exactly, like overlook the mistakes the film made because, mm. of its, because of the time it was made in, because of the standards of the time. You just acknowledge those and then try and see the film for what it is. And mm-hmm. you, you, and, and uh, yeah, you acknowledge that context when you're trying to digest it. Um, doesn't mean people have to enjoy it, though, um, or no, accept exactly. it. You know? um, 
but um but yeah i think you know i just want to since we're on the subject of the female characters in this movie though i i, I just want to say that i think lorraine Bracco's performance in this is so good amazing oh, yeah. she's yeah, she's yeah, yeah. she's got incredible eyes and also i think you know while we're talking about like we can't talk about what i like is that this film doesn't completely let her off the hook though because she is the subject of brainwashing in a way and she is the subject mm. of abuse but at the same time i like that scene with the um the witness the guy who's running the witness protection program at the mm. end and at one point she's like i don't know anything and he's like don't give me that babe in the woods act like you can see at different points that she knew what was going on and at one point or another she decided that the money was good enough and having the big house was good enough that she would kind of overlook all these transgressions that her husband was you know taking part in and she also in that same interview she was like you know what i don't have to go into custody like protective <laughs> custody with this guy like he he did all that shit like i can i can stay here and live with my my parents and take care of the kids and stuff like that like that's that's all him i i didn't do any of that shit yeah and i thought that was pretty cool because like he stuck she stuck by him she was very loyal yeah absolutely she was very loyal until that moment where she was like i'm not gonna leave my parents like what if my parents are sick i can't see them yeah like to be fair that is asking a lot though like to never see your family again Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i mean that's I mean, Crazy. it's either that or they're getting whacked. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's. I mean, did did she move with him? Yeah, I think that that was yeah. the implication. For protective custody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Um, but I they. She didn't. But um, I, I I can't remember what. And then they got divorced. So they got, but that divorce would have happened years later, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, I think in the post credits okay. it says that it's they got divorced in 1989. That's and, right. Um, and. I don't know the timeline exactly, but it would have probably been the early 80s when they went into um, witness protection. Right. Mm. Yeah, the time for me was kind of confusing, this movie. Well, it, it, I mean, it spans like 20 years, pretty much. Yeah. You okay. barely even yeah, notice yeah. it. Because like, I think the film starts in the late 50s when he's a teenager. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. uh, the last like timestamp they have is the day of the coked out, you know, the coked montage. out sequence. One of yeah, my favorite and that's, montages. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's 19. Well, I was, okay. So I was. Is that uh, your Jay favorite Bro- scene, Ollie, since we completely ignored it? Oh, that? no, it's all right. Um, it's, I mean, it's one of them. I, I was just saying to Jabriel before the recording that I had one of those. So, okay, backtrack. Whenever I'm having one of those days where I'm super busy and I have to go to a million different places and I'm all over the place and really disheveled and manic and I'm trying to organize and schedule all the things I have to do in my head, I always think of this movie. Mm. Um, sorry, this scene in this movie. And I had one of those days today. Like I, w- I literally had a dozen things to do. I was telling you guys, I had to work today. I had to make um, a farewell lunch for my friend. I had to go pick up groceries in the morning. I had to go t- deliver some post. And I was running around like sweaty. And I, I-, I wasn't under the influence of an incredible amount of cocaine, <laughs> Michelle. It would have mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it definitely would have. But I had that thing where whenever that's happening, I'm thinking of like Jump in the Fire by Harry Nelson playing in my head. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, his yeah, speech, yeah. you know, uh, like yeah, oh, mixing yeah. mixing the sauce, like yeah, getting yeah, yeah. strapping the drugs to the lady, like getting in the car, picking up the guns. <laughs> um, but yeah, incredible scene. Not yeah, not not quite the same day, but the same. Mine's, yeah, yeah, exactly. My tasks are a little bit more mundane, less cinematic. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's but that's I think that's also um, what this film does great is actually. Um, give you that sense of energy like that for that um, montage in particular 
for me, my, my heartbeat elevated, you know, I started looking around, I was, I felt as frantic as he did. And that's just Mm. the power of, of how he constructed this montage, which isn't like a, um, it isn't your, your, your typical montage that is just like, you know, 30 seconds long. It's kind of a long, you know, five to 10 minute sequence that cuts in and out uh, of the action. Um, but that's just, yeah, it's, he's Martin Scorsese and the performances, uh, everyone involved in this film gives you that, that energy. It gives you that, 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 uh, it, like, like I say, it's palpable that you feel like they are feeling, or you want to feel like they are feeling. Um, whether that's having a line of cocaine or saying the word fuck, um, you want to do these things for some reason. Mm. I don't know why. There's like a level of catharticism that I mentioned earlier um, about this film. Um, but if I could quickly um, divert our attention to the power of three, um, and that's De Niro, that's Leota, and that's Pesci. I just want to give them like, I don't know, like a round of applause. I don't know. We can't do that right <laughs> now. But I just want to give them credit because... Um, they, you know, this triangle that bounces around between all these characters, the film is like you, like we all said, like it's so fast paced. It's got this particular rhythm that like jumps from here to there and then it stops and then freeze frames happen and then narration. There's like so much um, rhythm to it. And if you don't get a core three that can um, not only stay with this rhythm, but also help accelerate it, then the film kind of falls flat, right? And I feel like they just keep that rhythm. They never miss a step to it. You follow each individual um, uh, accordingly and, and, and the pace stays the same. And, and then when you get all three of them in one room, it's like, that's just, you're, you're getting magic here. You're getting, you're getting performance magic um, from these guys that like a lot of them didn't, I mean, Robert De Niro worked with Scorsese um, prior to this. Uh, many a times prior to this, actually, um, in one of my favorite films, Raging Bulls, um, Raging Bull. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 that power, the triangle that he uses in in many other films that keep the rhythm of the film. And I yeah, I just have mm-hmm. to give credit to to the three of them because it's just outstanding. I mean, they are they are the face of this film. I think like um, this might I didn't actually mention what my favorite scene was, but I think if I were to pick one, one of them would be um the best scene for Robert De Niro's character performance, I think, which is when he finds out that, um, that, uh, Jim, that Tommy, sorry, has been whacked. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. When yeah. he's mm. in the phone booth. And cause you know, obviously he's such a, um, you know, he's such a prototypically masculine character, like a tough mm. guy. Mm. And he's so upset cause his friends died that he just like, first he has a bit of a freak out where he just smashes the phone and then kicks over the booth but he just starts crying in like a really yeah. in like the kind of like manly tears kind of way yeah. like he's like <laughs> but he's like trying to like hold it together because he doesn't want anyone to see him crying i just think it's yeah. and he was like fantastic the piece of charisma. acting yeah 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 for sure he was yeah. he was the coolest guy in the room like they introduced yeah. him um but yeah that's that that would definitely be one of my favorite scenes nice. <laughs> but um uh, I don't, sorry, one more. Yeah, but my, my sorry, my actual favorite scene that I'd like to mention would probably be, and it would lead in, it leads into a question I wanted to ask you guys. Um, but the scene when Karen is offered to go pick, get those dresses by uh, Robert De Niro's character, mm. and it's just such an incredible piece of filmmaking, so simply oh, yeah. done, where she just, oh, yeah. you, it's not said, but you just know mm. what she's thinking and what she's worried about, 
and um and the just the way that the only go on. Yeah, yeah like and then the way she d- it just draws out and Keep the way going. that the room is the the room that she's told to go into is just cloaked in shadow and yeah. and it's yeah. just the ambiguity is like held together so well um and like even though my question was do you think she was about to get whacked in that scene for it's sure. hard. It's yeah. It's hard really? not to say that she wasn't gonna get. Whacked but it doesn't. No, wouldn't. I. I don't think because it wouldn't make any sense to whack her in that moment. Because like, he, well, he always asked about the wives. He's like, does his does his wife know anything? Sure, yeah, but he needs to yeah. get he needs she, to get he to Henry though, right? He, but he's trying to find out if Henry snitched on him, and clearly he wants to get rid of Henry. But like, yeah. it wouldn't be wise just to like kill the wife first. Like that would really set things. If he wants to get to the husband, well, ultimately. you know what? It, it it doesn't even have to be a whacking. I think maybe just going into that room would have been a bad turn for her because then she would have been interrogated in probably violent ways to reveal what. Maybe, Henry... maybe you're right. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, like you know, it could. I I don't think entering that place was going to be like to pick up dresses. Like I don't know. I I feel like. And maybe yeah. maybe that's just the power of, of of that scene is like the just the duality between like is it good is it bad um, but seeing those two yeah cloaked hidden figures and you know they're kind of like they look like butchers um, yeah I yeah. you know I, I think nine times out of ten I I don't walk into that room yeah 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 I, I I'm the same and I wanted to say she's the only character that that did notice something was going wrong. Every freaking male character was like, they're down. So dude. like, Some... yeah, no one can, can do anything to me because and wise then, like, guys they all live, die. Yeah. They live like kings, the wise right? guys. They, they, <laughs> they, they think that their, their aura yeah. is protected. They're, they're, they're constantly shielded by, by their money, by their power, by their, the way they talk, yeah. by their confidence. Mm. Um, but which, people's fear. Yeah, yeah, and then and then towards the end, they 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 they're consumed by fear. All of them, all of them are consumed by fear. De Niro, especially, yeah. he starts whacking people left and right. Um, mm. uh, and it's like what they do with their fear is different to what what women would do with their fear, like a female character. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I like I like how like yeah. yeah, she's asking all the right questions. Like, you know, what are you gonna do if you're gonna j- go to jail? Is this too yeah. dangerous? Is this the right move? And I love how, like, at the beginning, he just gives her the most <laughs> ridiculous gaslighting answer. He's like, you know who gets, you know, yeah, you know who gets arrested? Yeah. <laughs> People who want to get arrested. I don't want to get arrested. There, ergo, I will not get arrested. <laughs> and then he gets arrested, like, three scenes later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Even when he starts getting attracted to her. Sorry? She's like, I can't believe you stood me up. And he's like... Oh, I thought you were gonna. Yeah, yeah, you up. were ignoring me. You were being really quiet. Like, yeah. like he's like, don't talk that bullshit with me. Yeah, yeah. Uh. You're breaking my balls. I the amount of times they said you're breaking my balls in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I love oh my god, and like I, I felt and you're breaking my balls. I did feel bad for for. I love. Okay, I, if we're talking about the theme of gangster movies, one of my favorite tropes of gangster movies is that character who always doesn't know when to shut up. But I have to say, <laughs> more was it Maury Maurice? Yeah, like Maurice, Maurice, yeah. Maurice, like I felt. Where's my money? I, yeah, uh, I, I felt, I felt really bad for him because I, this time watching it, I thought, oh, you know what? It's probably been months and they still haven't given him his exactly. money. Like, like, I felt really bad for him, but at the same time, it's like, come on, come on, guy, you know who you're dealing with here. Like, if there's anyone you don't push, it's these it's, guys. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they don't give a shit. Like, what are you doing? Like, I'm like Henry Hill's character. I'm like, please stop 
please stop bugging, you know, Robert De Niro's character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And like as soon as as soon as he says, yeah, just go over here, yeah, yeah, and they go through the alleyway, you know, you uh, know, you just know he's getting whacked. Um, it's like it's like, and and that became synonymous to gangster films, right? You get in the car, you go through the alleyway, you go you know in the back alley of or or the back uh, you know you open the door when you see a main character goes go into the back seat you know the guy's gonna yeah die. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? and just and just the word whack you know like thank you good fellas for bringing us that word um i i do if before we i guess i, I guess maybe we should probably you know give mm-hmm, this a wrap mm-hmm. but before we give this a wrap um <laughs> with the word fuck and for you listeners out there um there's a great drinking game for for this film. So if you want to watch this film with a couple of beers or or some drinks, then try to try to challenge yourself with with this game. There are th- uh, 321 instances of the word fuck um, throughout Ooh. the film, averaging uh, out to be about two point like two per minute, two fucks per minute, wow. which is crazy. That's insane. Um, so that's, yeah, that's, nice. that's the last fact I've got. Is for the yeah. <laughs> Wow. Well, shall we? <laughs> shall we? <laughs> so for you listeners out there, uh, it's, like, it's, uh, like, it's like two, what, what is it? Two, it's 2.30 in the morning 2.30 in the morning oh for Gabriel, God. so he's losing, he's losing his Although mind. I, sh- I, shall, I, I do want to paint a picture for the listener because they can't see. We, we've got webcams on, but you guys can't oh, see yeah, this. Yeah, 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 yeah. But Gabriel is looking fly as hell because... He's all suited up in a really nice bathrobe in a really nice hotel room. He just looks pimping. Yeah, yeah, and it's Marina Bay Sands for those of you who uh, who don't know. Which it's it's the uh, the the quintessential. Paid by the Singapore government. Yeah. <laughs> it's the image of Singapore. He's got the beautiful this beautiful room, beautiful yeah. bathtub, great balcony. If you if you've seen um, Crazy Rich Asians. Um, they show this building. Yeah. yeah, they show I'm, this building I'm, about. Hotel. Yeah, they show that building about twenty times in that movie. Like every <laughs> third shot is just like bam, bam, like MBS. <laughs> Marina Bay Sands. Uh, or, garden, or Gardens by the Bay. We all lived in Singapore before that was a thing. Like, what was Singapore pre Marina Bay Sands? Who even knows anymore? It was just Marina Bay. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. just Marina, Bay, just the Malaya. Malaya. Because there were no, there, right, were, so, there were, there were, there were no like, uh, um, there were no like, you know, recognizable landmarks or skyscrapers in Singapore before that. So now they've got. I mean, know. the 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 Marina Bay skyline was known mm. for like Fullerton and Esplanade. Yeah, Esplanade, yeah. Esplanade. But it wasn't like you didn't yeah, have like a, a big like Ben. An iconic building. Yeah, you didn't have like a big Ben or a, a Chrysler building or Empire State's building no, or, no, or a Eiffel Tower. Malayan. <laughs> Yeah, but no, one, so... no one cares about the anyway dude whenever you, you're a tourist you yeah, don't talk about well, the we can cut we can yeah. cut this out but yeah 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 but like if you uh <laughs> no i'm keeping this in <laughs> <laughs> i have no oh relation to all right the movie <laughs> no relation whatever it's a throwback to our singapore uh, southeast asian gems yeah but anyways um let's get some ratings then let's do some ratings i'm gonna go first or shall no i'm gonna go no, first. Go, go, fuck go. y'all go 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 <laughs> Before you lose your mind. Uh, So, yeah, just like I said in the beginning of the uh, podcast, um, one of my favorite things was the pacing, really, in this movie. How they go from literally a still image to the fastest cuts I've ever seen and still keep a 
like a, a, a beautiful cadence to the storyline, like a really just great rhythm. Mm -hmm. um, we actually didn't talk about this at all. Well, maybe a little bit, but the transformation of the soundtrack from when uh, Henry's uh, a kid, you know, with the music of the 50s, and it goes into a little bit like crooning, crooners and then it goes into the rock and roll mm. and i just i just love the mm. evolution of the music that goes along with the characters and how mm. it brings up the mood and brings the mood down as well um well it always works like as a bit of a timestamp right because at the beginning yeah, yeah, the you, yeah, yeah at the beginning sure. you have more of the uh, yeah you have the more of the old standards because it's the the 50s and the early 60s the frank mm -hmm. sinatra tracks and the tony bennett tracks and then it, you start getting the Rolling Stones tracks during the 70s. And then it ends with yeah. a fucking um, a Sex Pistols cover of My Way when yeah, it's meant to yeah. be the early 80s. And then there's also um, a part when he gets pinched and there's literally no uh, music at all. Mm. You know, it's like pretty much silence because his life in the mob is over. So mm. Um, mm. That, that I found was really interesting. So, yeah, I just overall, I really enjoyed this movie. I would have to say... I I still think The Godfather is a better movie. I just I don't know what it is. Mm. I like I just like the The Godfather mm. a lot more. And okay, Godfather 2, Godfather Part 2. Mm. But um, <laughs> I still think that's the best mob movie. And um yeah, I still have to give this movie um Five pitas and five balls, so that makes ten pitas <laughs> and balls out of ten. <laughs> nice. nice. Oh, I got you. Got you scared with the five. Huh? Yeah, yeah. I was like, whoa. <laughs> and then Peter came through with the other five, so it's fine. It balances. Hey, Paul. Hey, Peter. Yes. Ten, ten pitas and balls. Yeah. All right. I, I give it to you guys. Um, yeah. I guess I'll, I'll go next. Um, so, yeah, I think this film is. You know, it's just one of the funnest films out there. Uh, I do think I do agree with what's been said here that it's it's a masterpiece. Um, I just think it breaks all of the rules. That's what I like about it the most. I think it, it it's probably hard for any of us to imagine this because we were all none of us had been born by the time this film came out. But I'm pretty sure before this film came out, this whole Gonzo style of filmmaking where you throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. The idea of having two, an, a, a second narrator suddenly drop in halfway through the movie, that hadn't been done for, before. That went against the traditional rules of filmmaking. And that's what I like. That's what I think makes this film stand the test of time. Um, I think, you know, to compare it to The Godfather seems a little bit unfair because The Godfather, in my opinion, is one of the greatest movies of all time. But yes, following on from what Jabril said, I do think The Godfather is just... In terms of like subject matter, it's a bit weightier. It's got a bit more of a deeper, I know it's got a deeper well, I suppose. But, you know, um, as like a visceral experience, mm. the Goodfellas is perhaps unmatched out there. So I'm going to give it um, 10 stonking powdery lines of cocaine out of 10 because <laughs> those do not that oh my god that looks like it would kill a horse whatever they're whatever it was probably uh, flour on the set but you know <laughs> i just wanted to hop in and say that for me the godfather movies are mafia movies like mm. you know there's they're mafia and then this is like gangster movie you know like yeah. i kind of yeah I don't know. There's something different about 
both movies. They're I don't know how to explain it. You know, like that's like mafia and like, you know, we have a code, you know, you come to me on the day of my daughter's <laughs> wedding and this mm. one's like, hey, fuck you and fuck him and hey, you're breaking my balls and all that <laughs> shit, you know, like it's completely different. I'm like, where's the consigliere and all that? Other well, stuff, this this, you know? this like, film's about like third generation Italian-Americans. Third generation. And like the, okay. the Godfather, I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm taking, I'm guessing that number, but the Godfather's more about <laughs> first and second generation. 50s. 60s. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, it's 40s. It kind of went through. 40s? Well, no, I'm just talking oh, about, like, the, the Godfather was, um, those were film, mm. the trilogy was about the film, those films were, sorry, telling the stories about immigrants and the, the children of those immigrants. Yeah, And yeah, yeah. these characters do not really have any actual ties to Sicily or anything, because mm. they were probably, mm. it was probably their, gra- their grandparents or great-grandparents that came over the Atlantic. Mm. But anyway, I digress. Mm. Sorry. Raph, go ahead. Okay, yeah, Raph, um, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what what more can I can I say? I mean, I'm pretty sure we covered all, all bases on on how fantastic this film is, and and Jabril shooting me with two bananas, um, and he's whacking me with two bananas. Um, that would be funnier if 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 the film didn't employ any guns and just use bananas. It's just all bananas. Yeah. Should we make Should we pe- petition on Twitter for a banana edit of this film? Yeah. Release the banana cut. Where all the guns are bananas. <laughs> Free, free the banana. Uh, what do you mean a banana? Do you, do you mean a banana? What do you mean a banana? Um, all right. Uh, Hide the banana. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's 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 it, 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 there's a masterclass in in. Well, that was weirdly British. A masterclass. Yeah. Um, uh, it's a masterclass in direct. Stick with it. I like uh, it. Um, no, yeah, it's a it's. A, Mark Suskezi, at, at his height, it's one of his finest films. Uh, only maybe uh, the only other competition for me is, is Raging Bull. Um, it, you're at the height of this man's career. He's made a film that's so anti, that's so rhythmic, that's so punk almost. It really kind of destroys the, 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 the pillars that The Godfather built on like class and traditional and and the suits and all polished this like eradicates all that it makes it fun it makes it fast paced whilst keeping the violence the the that that male dominance but also you know infusing a bit of of, of female energy in there which is nice you know it's giving a voice um obviously not enough but uh, you know the times they are changing um so i think uh i will go ahead and 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 color this one uh, with 10 bloody shovels out of 10 uh, to bury mm. this film in a perfect little masterpiece of a coffin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well said. All right. Well, I guess that's that. We've got another perfect 10. Yeah. So I think it calls for a little. We've we've still got to find that sound effect. I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, that's, that's the sound effect. <laughs> oh no, are we actually gonna? That's us. I thought we were all gonna. Oh go no, I mean we we should come up. We should and uh, create an actual. Sound At the effect. same time. <laughs> I think. Look, we I can I can contact a couple of guys. Uh, you well, know, maybe maybe get an orchestra. My going. plan is. My plan mm-hmm. is is once we do this all together. In real life, yes, I will have a soundboard, and I'll be like, "Oh yeah, good." But yeah. it's hard to do it while we're, you know, doing this remotely, and it just doesn't sound right when I edit it in. Mm. Uh, have you tried? I don't know. Yeah. Ah. Like I, I don't know how to. 
I still haven't figured it out editing in. Like I tried to edit in a bleep once, and it just sounded wrong. Huh. It sounded so weird. I don't like it. <laughs> so, anyways, I guess we'll just end this episode here. I'd like to thank you guys for being here. You know, thank you to Ollie and Raf. Second movie in our gangster mob theme. Um, yeah, it's been sick. So before we go, I just want to say like, share, subscribe, five stars, comment. Uh, hit us up on the podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher. Um, what else are we on? Facebook, um, Instagram. Facebook, Instagram, Medium. You know, Raf writes hella Yeah, absolutely. For every mm-hmm. single one of our movies. So please go on Medium. Check out the reviews. You know, they are spoiler-free. Just give them a read. They're like two minutes long. So they're pretty good. You know, I enjoy them. I read every single one. So, hey. you know, guys. You're my only I'm just like so happy the right movie, now. <laughs> no, I I read them. They're really really good. Don't lie to me, Ollie. I will have you whacked, you son of a bitch. <laughs> All right, guys. And on that note, I guess we'll uh, let you go. So, see you later. Hey, guys. If you like the show, don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us on both at the Movie Newbie. Thanks for listening, guys, and catch you soon.